Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And it is yet another losing game recap, another losing podcast for this show in what's been a big East season, at least, of losing uh, this time it comes at the hands of the Villanova Wildcats on the road, 71-60, to the number 12 Villanova Wildcats roll, or not really roll, but 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 outlast the Red Storm, I think is a better word for it. St. John's now falls to 14-14, and so 500 for the first time this season, you could say, uh, and 3-12 and in the conference with just three games left to play now in the Big East. They have really struggled, as we all know, but... Unlike some of our previous losing shows where it felt like a missed opportunity here or, you know, a messed up play there or a game that they couldn't close, uh, I think there's a lot of positives to take out of this game. You know, if you listen to me on Periscope, I did a late night Periscope after the Seton Hall game, and I kind of said to to the fan base, you know, what, what did you expect? Going on the road, Seton Hall was number 16 at the time. Going on the road against the number 16 team in the nation, you know, what did you expect? St. John's was never in that game. They were blown out of the water. And I'd like to amend that statement a little bit because I, I think we could have expected a game like this one. You know, I think that was reasonable to expect, and I think that was my hope. At least going into this game, I kind of told myself, let's just play this game better than we played Seton Hall. You know, because these are two really, really tough road games uh, back-to-back. You know, Villanova and Seton Hall are two of the best of the three best teams in this conference, and you're playing two of them back-to-back. So in my mind, I was saying, let's just play this game better than we played the previous one. And I think everyone would agree St. John's did just that. They fell behind early, uh, 14 to 4 right out of the gate. Trailed pretty big, I think, what, 35 22? Uh, near the end of the first half, end the first half on a 12 to 1 run to get within two at halftime. And really, for the you know, for about what, 14, 15 minutes of the second half, they were in this game. You know, this game was, I, I want to say there was about seven minutes left, and it was 53-51, a two-point game. You know, they were right there. Let me get the exact time for that, but they were right there for this for a majority of this game. You know, they took a few Villanova punches and responded well. Yeah, 53-51 with eight minutes left. And they were right there, and they were down by by three with the ball with seven minutes left. You know, they took a few punches from Villanova right out of the gate. Like I said, 14-4, 35-22. Even in the second half, St. John's ties the game up, and then Villanova hits them with a 9-0 run. To, or 10-0 run, actually, to jump out back ahead by 10. And St. John's comes back. So give the guys credit. And give Mike Anderson credit, because what else would you expect from this game? You were never winning this game. You played hard for about 35 minutes, and the better team won. And this team played their ass off tonight. And Mike Anderson got them to play their ass off tonight. 
So there's nothing to be upset about with this game. I mean, listen, would a win have been nice? Yes, but you were never winning that game in a million years. You know, I think people tend to forget as well, and and this kind of got forgotten in the Seton Hall game as well. You're playing the best teams in the conference, but not only are you playing the best teams in the conference at this point, but you're playing all these teams that need wins. Seton Hall, Villanova, Butler coming up, Creighton coming up, Marquette coming up. Those are teams that they're already in the NCAA tournament. They're playing for seeding. And Villanova can't afford to drop a home game to St. John's. And Seton Hall can't afford to drop a home game to St. John's. And Marquette can't afford to drop a road game to St. John's. So you're not getting any look-aheads here. You know, they're not doing you any favors. Not to mention, we're almost in March now. Villanova, Seton Hall, Creighton especially, those teams are playing the best basketball that they're playing all season long. Because they are in the form for March Madness now. They are in form for the NCAA tournament. So you're going to get these teams' best shot. And they're not going to look ahead. And you got Villanova's best shot tonight. And for 35 minutes, you played with them. And you weathered, really, I thought, three big-time storms right out of the gate, right before halftime, and then right at the start of the second half. And you played hard in this game. So for me, that's all I could have asked for, is play hard. Mike Anderson, I thought, got the best possible game that he could have got out of his guys tonight. St. John's was in this game the entire way through, and LJ Figueroa had four shots, or four four bat, uh, four points, and they were in this game basically the entire way until the final few minutes. The results will come. You know, this season now it's 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 over. The results will come. I put out a tweet yesterday, and I I hope you saw it if you follow me on Twitter, at Troy Moriello on Twitter, basically highlighting Mike Anderson's career. You know, from the start at UAB, to Missouri, to Arkansas, and now hopefully to St. John's, but Mike Anderson in year one and two is not going to resurrect a program. But look at his records in, in year three, in year four, in year five, in year six, even at Arkansas. Look at his records once he gets his guys in there. At Arkansas, in his final six seasons, he was six or 57 games over 500. Give the guy some time. And I really think he is the guy that turns this program around. I really do. And turns them into a respectable program. So, so weather the storm here. Get through these last couple of games. And then we'll see where next year goes. Get the, but, but they're playing hard. You, you can't deny they're playing hard. Give them credit for that. This team has not laid down. I mean, you want to say Seton Hall, sure. But I would have thought this team would have quit a long time ago with some of the losses that they've had. I would have thought this team quit a long time ago, and they are still out there, and they are still battling. So give them credit for that. Look at some of the performances from tonight. Thought Marcellus Erlington. I think Marcellus Erlington has has really become the best offensive player on the court for St. John's. You know, over the last maybe five or six games. 12 points for him tonight on 5 of 12 shooting, and he grabbed five rebounds as well. 
Marcellus Ellington was, again, the best offensive player on the court for St. John's tonight and has been their best offensive player. You see him developing before your eyes, Marcellus Ellington, going to the basket. He, he gets a little bit too, uh, too confident in his three ball, but going to the basket, finding rebounds, finding the ball under the rim finishing at the rim and St. John's is I mean they make a couple of those shots at the rim and this is a totally different game I've never seen a team miss more layups and more two-footers at the rim and I think part of that is just luck to be honest with you you know the missing the wide open shots is skill the missing the two-footers at the rim I think part of that is just luck and they just don't have it this year to be honest with you two other guys who I thought played great games tonight Julian Champagny 10 points Six rebounds and three steals. And he had two blocks as well, actually. Another guy you're seeing develop before your eyes. A guy who looks wise beyond his years in terms of basketball IQ. Greg Williams is the other guy I thought played an outstanding game tonight. He hit the Red Storm's only two threes of this game. They went two of 12 from the uh, from three-point line. Williams went two of three. Ten points for him. Three assists as well. I want to see Greg Williams get a little bit more confident in himself. He had a beautiful, what was it, a step back? He, I don't, I don't remember the defender that I was on, but he had a nice step back, hit the three. I want to see Greg Williams doing more of that. This kid's a good player, and he's explosive around the rim as well. And he can hit an outside shot. He has a pretty jump shot. I want to see Greg Williams get that confidence, though. And I want to see him start building that confidence now in these last couple of games. Let's see if he can do it. Because I think Greg Williams is a really solid four-year player. Not someone that's going to average 15, 20 points a game. But someone that on a tournament team can give you, you know, 15 minutes off the bench, 20 minutes off the bench, and score, you know, five to eight points. He can absolutely be that for a good team. Rasheem Dunn's another guy. I thought had a nice game today. 12 points for him as well. I thought Nick Rutherford was, was again, back to his old self, you know, forcing, creating havoc, forcing turnovers. He had eight points as well. thought Nick Rutherford played a good game. I thought St. John's, again, they brought back the press. You know, that's what got them back in this game in the first half, really, was the press. And they played their game. They forced 13 turnovers. Now, I think they forced, I think, 12 in the first half. So Villanova really cleaned that up in the second half, but... I thought, you know, for the, for the final 15 minutes of that first half, St. John's played their game. They made Villanova play their game, which is impressive. Now, on the defensive end, when Villanova wasn't turning it over in the backcourt, uh, they killed St. John's. You know, Sadiq Bey is, is, a, is a, a different type of player. I think he's a lottery pick. I think he's, he's, if not the best player in the Big East in the discussion, along with guys like Marcus Howard and Miles Powell. And a couple of the Creighton guys as well. I think Sadiq Bey is, is is maybe one of the more underrated players in the country. And you saw it tonight. He is a different type of level. Great game out of him. 23 points. Villanova, 11-31. They shot 31 three-pointers. Again, more three-pointers than twos. That's their game, though. And they beat St. John's. You know, Villanova made that game. They turned that game to their game, basically, in the second half. Hitting some threes. Controlling the ball. Not turning the ball over as much. But, hey. Like I said, you know, there's not much more you could have expected. There's not much. Here's how I'll I'll word this. There's not much more that you could have asked out of this team tonight. They came out. They took a punch. They responded. They took another punch. 
They started playing their game. They deed up. They finished the first half strong. They tie the game in the second half. They take another punch. They respond again. So what more can you ask out of this team? They're giving it their all. They're just not there talent. They're not there talent-wise. They're just not. You know, Villanova is going to out-talent St. John's 10 times out of 10 in the final five minutes of the game. Every single season, but especially this year. They just don't have that talent. And when a guy like LJ Figueroa has a game like tonight, it leaves you with no shot. Because in terms of talent, he is still your most talented offensive player. I just I think Erlington's been better than him recently, but but LJ is still your most talented offensive player. So when he has a game like tonight, you got no shot. But I don't know if you could have expected any more from the Red Storm tonight. I thought they played a really, really hard game, which is at this point in the season all you can ask for. The quest for 16 wins and making the NIT is probably dead now, but I think that it died with the Xavier game, to be honest with you. And it really died with the, with the Georgetown game, you know, almost a month ago now. If they play the, their last three games of the season like they played that one, I'll be happy, you know? Play hard, and maybe they finish one of them. And me, I, I think they're going to get a win in one of these last three. I really do. You know, compete in those games. Play hard in those games. And try to finish one of them. But if, but if they play every game like this one, and maybe they close one out, I'll be happy for the rest of the season. All right, let's get to our guest for the day. Uh, we've got C.T. Fazio on. Came on about a month ago after the Marquette game. Thought he did a really, really good job. And uh, yeah, we're going to have him on. He'll break down what he saw tonight in uh, outside of Philadelphia. And uh, we will talk with him. And then we'll be back on the other end to wrap it up. So... Uh, let's get to the interview with C.T. Fazio. All right, I now want to welcome on one of my favorite Twitter follows and someone who I think is a rising star on the St. John's Twitter community. He is C.T. Fazio. You can find him on Twitter at C.T. Fazio 24. What's going on, man? Thank you for coming on tonight. Hey, Joe, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, we're talking after another loss. But the last time I had you on, I believe it was the Marquette game that we were talking after. And I think yes. we're going to be a little bit more positive after this loss. Um, for me, at least, it's it's a lot more positive takeaways out of this game than, you know, some of the other losses that we've seen in the past. Do, do you agree? I definitely agree. I think Anderson, especially after the first Villanova loss, his game plan tonight was, was great, I thought. Um, I thought he really played the right players tonight to match mm-hmm. up with Villanova's uh, they play a, like a dribble dribble drive kind of game mm-hmm. and I really thought that uh, he played the right players tonight to put them in position to win the game mm-hmm. you, you mentioned I think you mentioned in the tweet that, that we probably weren't going to see much of, uh, of Josh Roberts tonight now we we had been obviously complaining, and I think rightfully so, that Roberts hadn't seen the court at least. But but can you explain what you were seeing there with Roberts and and why you think he didn't get too many minutes tonight? Because because you see, it seems to make sense. Why, right? Tonight, definitely, I think Anderson made a great decision to uh, limit his minutes tonight mm-hmm. because he he struggles guarding the perimeter, and Villanova plays a five out system. Mm-hmm. They play uh, their center is basically a forward who. He can, you know, attack closeouts. He can shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. And Josh, he struggles on the perimeter to guard uh, those types of players. So I thought he would. Anderson did a great job putting uh, Champagny in at the five and, and putting Erlington in there as well. Mm-hmm. So I thought he made the right decision tonight. Mm-hmm. 
on the defensive end for the Red Storm, uh, they allow 11 three-pointers, but Villanova took 31. I mean, that's their game, obviously, as, as you mentioned, and nine of those 11 threes were made by Bay and Moore. I don't think they played a terrible defensive game. I thought that they were okay. Uh, they had some troubles on the perimeter as usually, but, but what did you see with the perimeter defense for the Red Storm tonight? I thought the perimeter defense was, was really good tonight mm-hmm. because uh, St. John's, after the first matchup, they gave up a, t- a ton of threes, yeah. uh, a ton of dribble drives. And in this game, uh, Anderson made the, uh, the counter to have everyone switch every screen. So they weren't getting beat on any, three, any threes. So whenever someone said went to set a pick, they would just switch every screen. Mm-hmm. So they would counter the actions that Bonover was running. So I thought the defense, especially in the second half, was was much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's a good point. And I mean Villanova, you know, with the amount of threes that they take, they're a three point shooting team. They're going to get some open ones. You know, you're going to give up some open threes throughout the course of the game. I feel like they limited it well enough. And and, and to speak on your point there, to kind of step away from the X's and O's for a second, like you said, I think that's a sign of how good Mike Anderson is as a head coach. You know, making those adjustments from game one. They got killed by something in game one. He comes back. He corrects it in game two. I think that's something that shows you just a little thing that shows you how good of a coach he is absolutely i, I agree completely mm-hmm. uh, the game plan tonight that he that he drew up was was excellent unfortunately uh they kind of stalled out at the end with, with yeah. the offense but i thought the defense was phenomenal i thought guys made timely shots i thought greg williams especially mm-hmm. uh you got a glimpse tonight of what he can do in the future he was hitting threes he was driving to the rim and i thought champagne was was excellent tonight too so yeah. I really, you know, I think there's hope for the future. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, and another guy with that future, Marcellus Erlington, uh, 5 of 12 shooting. He had 12 points tonight. I said in my open, I I think over their past four or five games, Erlington's been their best offensive player. And I don't even think it's really close. I think he's been the guy on offense for them. Do you agree with that or, or do you have a little bit more hesitation with that? I would say definitely some matchups he's he's better than, than some of the other guys on the team. Mm-hmm. But he's he's very versatile. I was, I'm really surprised with with how he's been playing this year. He's been very consistent. He can step away and shoot the three. He can bully guys in the paint. Mm-hmm. He can attack attack closeouts. But I, I will say I think LJ is is probably the the best player on the team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, to, unfortunately tonight he was uh, he was locked down by Sadiq Bay. I mean he's gonna be an NBA. He's probably gonna be a lottery pick coming yeah. up in, in the in the draft. So. Overall, I was impressed with how they played tonight. No, absolutely. On the offensive end, they were good. Uh, let's talk about LJ, though. I mean, 2, two of 10 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. Uh, just never got it going from the field tonight. Four points. Missed a couple of open threes. He missed a couple of, of open threes that I think could have kind of turned the game a little bit. I, I think they were losing this game regardless, but I think he missed a couple of threes that, that could have kind of turned the tide later in that second half. Um, is it anything that you're noticing from him, or is it just the shots aren't going in? Uh, to me, it seems like the shots they're just not falling for him, and in the, in the, you know they're he's he's doing the right things. He takes some bad shots, obviously, but uh, to me, it's just the right. shots aren't falling. What do what do you see? I think that's a little little part of it now, but I think the the loss of Mustafa Heron is just mm-hmm. it's garnered a lot more attention that the defense is giving to him because yeah. he's the only. On the scouting board, he's the only reliable outside shooter that they have. He's, yeah. He is the only player on the team shooting above 30% from three mm-hmm. on the year. Mm-hmm. So the game plan is just let's limit him from three and just let's limit him completely and let's see if anybody else on the team can beat them. And tonight, you know, St. John's got a lot of contributions from 
a lot of different guys. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, LJ had an off night, but I expect him to bounce back. Absolutely, and and you saw that tonight. He took the five threes. I think two of them were open, but but like you mentioned, you know when when you're the focus um, defensively it's going to be so much harder to get those open threes. And when you get them, you have to make them. And LJ just hasn't hasn't made them consistently enough, I'll say. And really, this whole team hasn't made those those open shots consistently enough to really compete. That's what I'm seeing. Do you agree? I definitely agree. The offense has been has been a struggle this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I thought Anderson, he came up with a great game plan. He yeah. wanted to attack the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what that's what he did tonight. They, majority of their points, uh, majority of their points were in the paint. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think another couple more threes get knocked down, and I think this is a ball game at the end. Different game, absolutely. Another thing that I thought Anderson did great was he pressed really the entire game. Um, yeah, that was a, uh, that was good tonight. Yeah, I mean down fourteen to four early. They kind of press a little bit. Down 35-22 uh, late in the first half. They press, and it got them right back in the game. To me, if I was St. John's, I'd be pressing at all at all times. Like, w- Is there any reason why they don't press like that, that you're seeing when you're watching these games? Like, like, Why would they not just press really, you know, for the full 40 minutes of hell? Like, Why would they ever not press? Because it seems to always be working for them. I definitely agree. And tonight, they, you know, Rutherford sped up Gillespie a lot and, mm-hmm. and Sadiq Bay and all those other guys, but the problem is they, they just haven't been making shots in the past couple of games, so it's more and more difficult to set up that press. But tonight they were making shots, so the press was, was very effective, and they were turning over uh, Villanova at a large rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought Nick Rutherford is another guy. We, we haven't touched on him yet. I thought he was a guy, you know, he had he had an eight points, kind of a quiet game because he only shot three of ten. But I, I feel like in this game and in the Xavier game, we kind of saw that... Um, that you know, non-conference, that early Big East play. Nick Rutherford, you know, being disruptive on in the in the front court, you know, being are being disruptive in the back court. I should say, you know, when teams are inbounding the ball, you know, forcing turnovers that lead to easy baskets. I feel like we've kind of gotten Nick Rutherford back a little bit that we saw at the start of the year. Now it it stinks because his college career is almost over, but I feel like we've gotten him back a little bit. Right, he's definitely. I feel like he he sets the tone for the rest of the the press and all, all the yeah. uh, the defense. Mm-hmm. He's he's definitely the head of the snake, and um, I think he he sets the the tone for everybody on the team just to, to lock in and to and to play uh, pressure defense mm-hmm. uh, throughout the game. Absolutely. Now I, I'm going to ask you your outlook on the rest of the season in a second. Uh, first, though, I mean we all know you're you know X's and O's guys. You you know you know the the inner workings of all that. What's one thing that you could see St. John's or that you want to see St. John's do in these final three games in this stretch run in the Big East tournament offensively? What's one thing you want to see them do? You know to kind of make things a little bit easier for them on the offensive end. I think definitely just to keep LJ involved as the focal point. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have to have some big games uh, down the stretch here mm-hmm. just to keep them in in the game. But I like the lineup tonight that Anderson had out there. We had Dunn, he had Williams, he had Carter was, was pretty good tonight yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Champagny and um, and Figueroa. That lineup I feel like can really punish teams offensively. You have guys who can, who can shoot, who can dribble, who can pass. And I feel like that lineup can really do damage down the stretch of the season. Uh, absolutely. Now, your outlook on the rest of the year, they're 14-14 to now. They're 3-12. and uh, If they're going to make an NIT appearance, they probably got to win two out of these final three, which is unlikely. But what's your outlook on these final three games and then the Big East tournament? I think definitely just the, the mantra for the rest of the year should just be, let's get these guys uh, development. Let's see them 
get as much game experience as possible, mm-hmm. especially the three sophomores. You know, Roberts, Erlington, Williams. I think Dunn should be back next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Champagne, of course. You know, he's been he's been playing well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I don't know if LJ is going to come back. I hope he does. But yeah. just to get as much as much game experience as possible because these guys, you know, with the exception of Champagne and and LJ, of course, was the focal point last year as well. But those three guys, Williams, Erlington, Roberts, they didn't play at all last year. So this is basically their first year of big-time basketball, Mm -hmm. getting this much game experience. So I feel like this year is going to really pay off for them, especially going into next year. No, absolutely. Yeah, this this should all be all, you know, this is all valuable experience, I think, for those guys, like you mentioned. You know, and I think this team, you know, with the guys coming in, and with the guys coming back, I think they can be a competitive team next year. You know, I don't know about NCAA tournament, but I think they'll be, you know, in that, you know, 17, 18, 19 win range next year. I really think that's that's reasonable to expect. What do you think about that? I definitely think that's a possibility, especially with uh, with adding Pasha Alexander. He's yeah. somebody who's who's a pure point guard. You know, Dunn's playing that position yeah. this year out of necessity. But I really think he's filled in admirably, you know, considering the circumstances of, of this year. Mm-hmm. And then some of the guys coming in too. I've been, I've actually been watching some of uh, some Vince Cole, okay. some Isaiah Moore, just to get like a handle on on their games. And I think they're going to be they're really good additions for for the team next year. Okay. But I think especially if LJ comes back next year, I really think they'll have a chance to put themselves in that NCAA tournament conversation. No, absolutely. One one more thing about that. What you you think, Posh? You know, being a true point guard, he would he would have to help Figueroa, right? Like like that's what, exactly Definitely. what Figueroa needs, correct? I think so because if you look at last year, Samori Pons, of course, you know he was all beast, all Big East caliber player. You know we will see what, how Pons shakes out, but he's just someone who can set the table for for LJ, especially this year. You know Rutherford is somebody who's not really an offensive weapon, and, and Don is more of a, a scoring a scoring guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think next year Pons, he could help distribute the ball a little more and and, and uh, help set up LJ to have a, uh, a very successful year. Absolutely. Now. I'm going to leave you on this. Uh, you know, I might not talk to you before the season ends, before the St. John's season ends. Not not because I don't want to, just because we only have, you know, one or two one or two episodes left. Uh, I got to Yeah, exactly. I got to get your opinion, though, on your Nuggets this season. What what do you think is going to happen with them? Uh, what, what's your pick for them? Are they going to are they going to disrupt things in the West and, and disrupt that Lakers Clippers uh, Western Conference final? What do you think? I hope so. I mean, this year there's a lot of parity in the league. You know, the Lakers are uh, very good. And I think they could beat the Nuggets in a series, but there's no team that's like the Warriors in the years past. We yeah. have like all those guys like Durant, Curry, uh, Draymond, and, mm-hmm. and Clay, where it's like a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this year is more wide open, but I think the Nuggets could, uh, if the bracket falls right, they could win a series or two, and then uh, if things break right, maybe they could beat the Clippers and the Lakers in the conference finals. But uh, they have a good team this year, so I'm hoping that they could uh, could shock the uh, the NBA. But We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully, well, well, they're doing better than St. John's. That's all you can ask for, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been good watching them. I enjoy watching St. John's. You no, know, absolutely. They, I enjoy watching watching the guys and, and their development this year, but definitely it's it's more enjoyable to watch see the Nuggets win <laughs> some more games. But no, yeah, they're playing hard. We'll right? I'm a Knicks fan though, so I don't really have any good basketball to be watching right now. <laughs> That's, that's a rough one. The Knicks are, I don't know what's happening with yeah, them. We'll see. Hopefully they uh, turn it around soon. Yeah, maybe next year. All right, man. We'll, we'll, uh, well, thank you for coming on as always. You, you do a great job with this, you know, second time. Definitely next season, you know, maybe something in the off season. We'll get together and do something as well. But, uh, but thank you again for coming on tonight. Definitely. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Troy. All right. Talk soon, man. Thanks. Sounds good. All right.
All right, big thank you once again to our guy CT Fazio there. Like I said, he he's if you're not following him on Twitter, uh, I would get on that right away because he's one of the better follows of St. John's Twitter. Always has that analytical look at things. Always has you know some good insights to give on any topic about St. John's basketball. He's a big Nuggets fan as well. CT Fazio, uh, C T F A Z I O. 24. Give him a follow if you don't already on uh, on Twitter because he's a he's a rising star of the St. John's Twitter community. I would say I say as he has more followers than me, but whatever. Um, yeah, but um, good job out of him. Like I said, can't be can't be too frustrated with the Red Storm tonight. I'm, I'm a little bit happy. It's almost like St. John's won this game if you, uh, to be honest with you because they they played hard and they gave it they gave it a, a good college try you could say and uh, that's all you can ask for you know and Mike Anderson is clearly building something here and you look at the guys you know Josh Roberts obviously didn't show it tonight but Julian Champagny, Greg Williams, Marcellus Erlington these guys are freshmen and sophomores. And if all things go according to plan, these guys will be here for two and three years, you know, going forward now from this season. Rasheem Dunn, too. You know, LJ Figueroa will hopefully be back next year. You know, this is a young, young team. And almost by default, the Big East has to take a step back next next year. Almost by default. You know, they, they, I don't see the Big East, you know, getting, getting 80% of its teams possibly in the, in the NCAA tournament next year. So almost by default, it has to take a step back. And St. John's, I think, will take a, a step forward. Now we have to see, though, how 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 big is that step forward? You know, is it a baby step or is it a leap forward? We'll see. But, you know, there is no reason why Mike Anderson can't turn this Red Storm program into, you know, a Providence or a Butler or a Creighton. You know, I was actually thinking this, and and uh, before I go, I want to get this thought out there. I was actually thinking this. It's on the train the other day, and I wanted to look up how many Big East teams have achieved a top 10 ranking at any point in the new Big East era since 2013. And it's seven of 10 teams. Seven of 10 teams in the conference have done that in the new Big East. The three that haven't are St. John's, Georgetown, and DePaul. Now, DePaul hasn't even been ranked ever. Georgetown, the year before the Big East, so the last year of the old Big East in 2013, or in 2012-13, they were ranked, I think, number five at one point that season. So it's been a while for the Red Storm. But I think Mike Anderson is building something up, and I think that, like I said, the expectations is not to be Villanova. You know, it's not to be a 27, 28, 29 win team and, a, you know, an Elite Eight, a Final Four contender every single season. That's not the goal. If they get to that, that'd be awesome. But that's not the goal and that's not the expectation, I should say, not the goal. That's not the expectation. The expectation is, let's be Seton Hall. Let's be Providence. Let's be Xavier. Let's be Creighton. Let's be Butler. Let's be the rest of this conference, which is a down year, is 17 wins, 18 wins. That's a down year. A good year, 20, 21, 22. And a really good year, you know, you're Seton Hall this year, you're Creighton this year, where you're winning 25, 26 games, and you're a top 10 team, top 15 team every few years, maybe, you know? Have a down year one year, make the tournament the next year, make the tournament the following year, you know, be a top 15 team the following year, you know, and in the years that you're not going to the tournament, go to the NIT. 
Mike Anderson has done that everywhere that he goes. Mike Anderson's last six seasons in, in Arkansas, like I said, 57 games over 500, three NCAA tournament appearances, two NIT, five postseason, uh, five postseason appearances in six seasons, in his final six seasons at Arkansas. The guy can build a program. And if, I, like I said, if there's no reason to think that we can't be a Butler or be a Creighton or be a Marquette or be a Seton Hall, Mike Anderson's the guy to do that, I think, because he's done it before. He's done it at Arkansas. He did it at Missouri. He did it at UAB. His entire career, he's been doing this. No reason why he can't do it here, and there is no reason why St. John's can't eventually become the program that really the rest of the Big East is. You know, Villanova's on another level. DePaul is kind of you know on the back burner, and Georgetown is as well. The other six teams in the Big East, there's no reason why St. John's can't be at that level. Competitive every single season. Tournaments, postseasons, every single season. No reason why they can't do that. And I think they got the guy in Mike Anderson. I really do. So these results suck. I know that. This sucks being 14 and 14. This sucks being 3 and 12 in the conference. And being in ninth place and playing the Wednesday night Big East game again. It sucks. I know that. But they got the guy. They really do. I really believe they got the guy. And now just give them time. Give them next year. Give them a recruiting cycle. Give them three, four years. By year three, by year four, I really think you will be on that level of Seton Hall, Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, Butler. You'll be on that level. I really do think so. With this guy at the helm. This guy's a program builder. I think he'll do it here as well. That's the hope for the Red Storm. So it sucks now. It sucks losing. Especially when you've lost as much as this team does. But just give this guy a chance. Give this guy some time. And he will do it. I'm so confident he will do it. And that's all we have. Is that is that hope and that confidence. But I think, I think for once it is real hope. You know, it's not, it's not fake hope. But we'll see. Uh, we will have a big show next week. I'm going to the to the Creighton game at Carnesecca Arena, but I'm going on business, not on pleasure, because I'm going to interview one of the more legendary uh, sports radio figures of really of history. He is John Minko, the Mink Man legendary WFAN uh, update guy and personality. McMahon's been with WFAN since its inception in 1987. He's still there today. And he also happens to be the play-by-play voice of the St. John's Red Storm on the radio. So, going to talk to the McMahon a little bit about, you know, his start in radio, uh, you know, how he came to WFAN, and then we're going to get into St. John's a little bit as well. So I'm really looking forward to that interview. It's going to happen on Sunday, and then I'm going to release the interview uh, right after the St. John's Butler game when um, Mr. Minko actually went to Butler. So that'll be kind of kind of good to release it then. So that's coming next week, the John Minko interview. I'll probably still do a Periscope, though, after the, uh, after the Creighton game. And then we have that coming next week. And then we have Marquette, which I will do a Periscope. And then we have the Big East Tournament, which um, 
I'm planning something kind of big for the Big East tournament too. So we'll see about that as well. And then we'll probably go into off-season mode because this team, they're probably not going to the NIT or anything like that. So that might end the uh, the game recaps this season. But thank you everyone for listening to this one again. Hang in there, everyone. You know, we're, we're sticking around, we're fighting. So hang in there. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode here. And as always, let's go Johnnies.